Welcome to the Brazilian Zoo No Cap Podcast with your hosts, Archie, Ifosa, Jesse, Amber, and Jamie L, where we discuss all things Brazilian Zoo, honestly and from our perspective collectively and personally. So go ahead and grab you something to drink, grab you something to eat, turn this up, and let's hop into this next episode. Yo, what's going on? Welcome to the Brazilian Zook No Cap Podcast. We are excited to be with you guys on this episode. Uh, this episode, we're going to have myself. It's Archie. We got Ifosa in the building. We got Amber, DJ, Aphrodisiac. And we got the Latin Bay Jesse. Every time she introduces herself, she gives herself <laughs> a new nickname. Um, we all in here, man. And we got a pretty... A pretty interesting topic for for this episode. Um, summed up, the whole episode is going to be called "Everybody Wants to Be a DJ." So uh, we're just going to go ahead and jump into it and see how this flows out. It is cool, actually, because three of us on here are all DJs uh, in different stages in our DJ careers. And then we also obviously have a dancer on here who gets to benefit from amazing DJs. So benefit from or or for the record, I have a DJ name. Okay, my DJ name is DJ Chaos. I just don't know how to actually DJ. Sounds like that fits in with fifty uh, percent <laughs> of the market. DJ Chaos that doesn't know how to DJ. Did you just know that name from a bunch of people? Um. So if you want to hire me, I don't need any equipment. I have my phone. I have my Spotify. Hit me up. I got the little fade situation going on. Let me know. Sounds DJ like Chaos. You would, you would fit maybe for. <laughs> So I guess I guess to start it off, we could just I could ask a question right quick. And it's a very basic, simple question that I feel like all of us can answer. And it's in your opinion, what do you think makes a good DJ? You want me to go first while y'all think about it? <laughs> yeah, you can go first. I asked the question, so I'm not gonna go first. <laughs> ask myself a yeah. question and just answer it myself. No. So from a dancer's perspective only, not knowing all this, knowing that okay, so I'll say I know you guys go through a lot of work to DJ. It's not a simple job. But from a dancer's perspective, what makes a good DJ is one, what kind of vibe are you setting? Like, how are you carrying the energy of the room throughout the night? Two, how many times you clear the floor? Three, how are you catering to everyone in the room? Because obviously all of us have been at mixed events where, you know, maybe you have Kizomba and Semba and Urban Kids or Zook in a room. And then also the song choices. Like, are you able to make a whole bunch of good song choices and make it flow so seamlessly that I forget that there's a DJ? Like, I'm just absorbed into the music. That, for me, makes, like, the most incredible DJ. I think adding to that and being one of the newer DJs coming into the Brazilian Zook scene, um, definitely um, research, like, research and prep. And by research and prep, I mean kind of like trying to know who your demographic is, whether you're figuring that on the fly or 
or you've got some information beforehand on who's coming and not and who's coming i don't mean just like the artists but i mean like actual attendees like who's going to be there what kind of music they all like what kind of what kind of music they'll be feeling at a specific time of when you're playing granted you can't you can't predict all these things so which also means you need adaptability and the flexibility and also organization that part i'm still i'm working on i'm working on all of it but that the organization of your music but also i think something really important is just like is being able to work with the team of djs i I feel like there are too many times where people try to do just you're supposed to do the best that you can but also i i feel like especially if you're before somebody or like in the middle of a set like there's one dj before you and one dj after you I feel like it's very important to set up the vibe for them so that they can take it. Obviously, a good DJ should be able to take it from anywhere. But still, if you're if you're working with somebody, is to me, I see everything as a whole, not just as one individual, but I will point out to that one individual. It's a whole flow throughout the whole night. And that flow goes up and down, left and right, circular, rectangular, whatever it takes. So you're taking one baton and you're passing it on. And I think it's important, like everyone has a role that night. And I think it's important to work with each DJ. And that means setting up whether that means going to a vibe that they're good at or going to some type of like vibe that's familiar to them or something like that. I think that's important. Go ahead. And um, I think this will be dope. Go ahead and say your mm-hmm. DJ name and basically oh. like how you started and how long you've been DJing. My name is DJ Ifosa. I started in the, I started learning in the pandemic with Tom Froyo, as well as Aaron Montgomery. Tom was the one teaching me and Aaron, DJ Swift, um, how to DJ, how to mix, how to, how to, you know, get music and all that stuff. And then I started playing live locally a year later um, in the summer of 2021 in New York. So we would have this thing called the grandma social or the senior social. Basically, we would start from eight and at eleven o'clock. So it's not like it's for old people only. It's the way to do it. It's the way to do yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, especially in New York, you you get if you could get to home by twelve, you've Bruh. done everything right. Life. You get, yeah, you've done everything. Plus, it was still then we were just kind of coming out the pandemic, so we weren't really, so we didn't have to really face traffic and all that stuff back then so it was nice you got eight hours of sleep you were great you were living life but um so i started from there and i kept doing local socials until shout out to teresa she was um she hit me up to do a weekender and that weekender was probably the scariest thing i've ever had to do because it was like my first gig outside of new york local socials which oh my first local social was i i, I was drenched in so much sweat because you were so nervous Oh, I was nervous. I was shaky. I'm like, yo, please, nobody talk to me. Let me get through this transition. Like people would like, hey, you did a good job. I don't want to hear nothing. <laughs> I don't, don't don't talk to me. Let me just focus on what I'm doing. And I was, I like prepped like a gang of songs. Like I, I probably prepped like a hundred songs that day, just in case. Like, okay, what if we want? I go here. What if we want? I do this. Dot dot dot, etc. I opened too, but I was so nervous. It didn't matter. It was I was so scared that day, and it was alright. It was not bad. But fast forward, then I did some weekenders for Teresa. She was like the first person to really hire me for like an event outside of New York, and then from there a couple of events, and it's just been 
I got to learn from all types of people. Yourself, Archie, Amber, you got mad people, Nat, Jovan, like people both in Zook and in Kizomba that I got to learn from, got um, a couple of techniques and just developed from there. Dope. Oh, you want to know how I started? Yeah, I think it's cool since we're talking about DJs, people can know like who uh, yeah. like who we are and like they're like, who are these people going so hard? And they're like, they don't even know who we are. So I think it's that dope to. Okay. So you ready? Mm-hmm. My DJ name is DJ Aphrodisiac. And I have been DJing about 10 years. And I'll share how I got started. So, man, it's really a crazy story. Not really. So like most things, this started in a group chat on Facebook. This organizer on the West Coast, he was being sexist. Like, we wanted him to bring this, the best at the time, Kizomba dancer from Europe. And he was like, huh? Who was the best at the time? I'm not going to say her name. (laughs) But she's still good. She's still good. But I'm not going to say her name because the organizer said, no, we're not going to bring her because she's too old and ugly. Wow. Dang. Wow. That's what he said instead we're gonna bring Sarah Lopez because she got a nice booty. He said that he said that in the group chat? He oh, didn't wait. um he didn't say that to us, but someone over her in the group chat overheard him say that. So me and my friends in the group chat, you know, we were like, it was all girls. We were like, we're tired of this, you know, we're tired of, you know, sexism. Like, we're gonna start our own event and it's gonna be all women, okay? <laughs> <laughs> But listen, we looked all over the world. We could not find a woman kids on the DJ anywhere. So I was like, I'll just learn to DJ. So your oh, pe- wow. your your career started out of pettiness. Straight <laughs> up. <laughs> That's what now y'all know why Amber said she wanted to be a, a a lead in the last episode so she can beat everybody in the Jack and Jills. You know what's the I'm- funny part? Actually, not funny. Um, but it's Amber would beat us. <laughs> the moment she the moment she sets her mind to it, she would do it. So yeah. That's I mean. funny. Yeah. So I was being fueled by rage and pettiness. So so the event was like a year a year away. So you know, I had a year to learn. And mm. you know, I I was broke then. So like we all got our money together and I got a little controller. So I would DJ locally and actually Eric, my friend in Texas, DJ FX. DJ yeah, he hired me, not really hired, but I just went to DJ for a couple hours. So that was my first out-of-town gig. And then I did the event. You know, it was probably trash, but, you know, I did it. <laughs> and we actually found, we found another DJ, but she's not really a Kizomba DJ, but mm. she's a Cape Verdean. She's a wedding DJ. Okay. Um, mm. So we convinced her to do it, too. And we have one guy DJ her friend, DJ Lee Rodriguez in New York. Mm-hmm. So those were the DJs. We were the DJs for the event. And we bought, and when it was called Ladies Take the Lead. We bought Tanya Mendoza. We bought Rakita. We bought Lori. We bought Bernadette. And one of those ladies on the lineup, she's the lady who the other organizer was talking yeah, about. Yeah, that one to bring. Right. Mm. And everyone loved it. It was nice. Like and that. after that, I was like, well, I'm done. <laughs> but honestly, it was honestly my friends who just kept pushing me, I guess. I don't know, because I didn't really believe in myself. But it was my friends that kept saying, just come do this, you know, so. 
that's how I started. Yeah. Oh, okay. So now tell us what your thoughts are on what makes a good DJ. Okay. So everyone who I'm going to say is a student of mine, they say I'm very hard. Um, yes. I, I agree. Kind of, yes. Like I am fueled by, I just want to, I just don't want to be embarrassed. Like I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> you putting your name on people. I mean, me personally, while I'm DJing, I don't want to embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. And true, I don't want to be embarrassed because people are like, yeah, I learned from so and so, and they, suck, <laughs> you know, right. So yeah, I feel like number one, you need to learn how to use your controller and learn how to use it well. So I think technical skills will help you like eighty percent of the time. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can have all the good songs, but if you keep mess having bad transitions, people are gonna get frustrated, yep. you know? Yeah. And just not want to dance. So for me, number one is technical skills. A close number two is song selection. So those two are like the top two. I don't know. I go back and forth. Some days it's song selection, some days it's technical skills. Cause some genres you don't need technical skills like salsa, bachata, you know. Mm-hmm. But his own zook, you definitely need technical skills. Mm-hmm. So one I think get your technical skills together. Number one, learn how to beat match. Learn the mixing rules, BPM, keys, EQs. Learn all that. Number three, you need to learn how to crowd read. That's it. So Mm -hmm. technical song selection and learn how to read the crowd. Wait, how do you read the crowd? How does that even work from a DJ perspective? I'll just want to get all my secrets today, but that's fine. (laughs) I mean, they still can't do it like you, so it's fine. You're right. Personally, I look at everybody in the room. Actually, you know what? It really starts before. Like, I talk to people like, hey, where you from? So I learn where people from. This is like Kizomba. And, you know, it's a lot of Africans and Caribbean. So if someone is from, like, Guinea-Bissau, yeah, I play a few songs in the country. So, you know, they will feel included. Or, like, Cameroon. I just go through all the West African countries. So basically, you just have to try to reach everyone in the room in some type of way, especially the people standing on the sidelines. You know, people just focus on the people dancing. And I like to focus on the women because the women, we already have half the time. You know what I'm saying? So you have to get us involved. Like getting the women involved can make or break their night. You know, they sit in 30 minutes, but if they have like 30 to 45 minutes just to let loose, you know, they'll feel happy at the end of the party. I feel like you just have to get everyone involved, especially the people who are dancing. That's yeah. how I probably. <laughs> yeah. I've said it and- before and I'll say it again. Amber is the best DJ I know for managing crowd energy. Now I concur with her as far as reading the crowd. One thing that I do like with that to answer your question and then I, I'll answer the, the main question. When it comes to reading the crowd, like a couple of things I do is one, whenever it comes to look, I call it like uh looking at things from like a um, from like 70,000 feet in the air and then looking at things at like 7,000 feet in the air. So like 70,000 is obviously like the entire room and just watching how people are like reacting to not just a song because people get hyped with certain songs or whatever, but like just the vibe in general. So for example, having the ability to say oh i want to go in this direction but the crowd's not reacting prop like how you want them to react whenever you mm-hmm. go in that direction and mm-hmm. being able to switch up the mood quickly without mm-hmm. interrupting the smoothness of the set so i look at the crowd as a whole look at the floor but one thing that i do is i'll find depending on where we're at 
I'll find four or five specific people. Yep. And I watch those four or five specific people. And it's people, obviously, it's people that I feel like I trust their musical instinct and taste and and all this stuff. And I feel like they would have a solid average of what like the majority of the room would be based off of the different people. And it don't even got to be a teacher. It can just be a, a, a person who I know that dances that is mm. has really good taste in music. And I watch them and I watch how they react and I watch how they're dancing and I watch their facial expressions and all this stuff like that. So that's just to answer that question or whatnot. But I guess I can answer the main question. Yeah. So my name is Archie of Archie and Sizzle. DJ name is DJ Archie. Pretty easy. I started DJing when I was like 14. So like in middle school on like vinyl and records before we had electronic turntables. Yeah, that's um, fire. Yeah, it's cool because actually the 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 turntable that he taught me on is like over here. It's just like sitting in the corner because I can never really play with it live or nothing. But so, yeah, that was cool. Whenever I learned that. And then through that, I DJed house parties and a lot of weddings and just a lot of just like kinseis and just like a gang of stuff through all through through high school and through through college or whatnot and then whenever i started making original music more as a solo artist and then with sizzle i still dj'd i just dj'd a little bit less and then probably 11 probably like 11 or 12 years ago i started djing a lot more heavily more uh started djing in kizomba like two years after i got into kizomba and then started djing brazilian zook right whenever i got into brazilian zook so it's been like eight or eight or nine years and so yeah that's kind of my history on that. Whenever it comes to like what I think is a good DJ, I concur with everything everybody said. To make it down as basic as possible, though, I would say good like the three things that Amber said. Good song selection, know how to mix. Basic mix, basic. Don't got to be crazy. If you can get better at your skill, obviously, as you get better, then I think that you will increase your talent. But basic transitions from song to song, to me is the beginning of actually being a DJ and then learning how to read the crowd. Basic transitions, song selection, and knowing how to read the crowd. If you can do those things, then I think that you are, I think that you can call yourself a DJ and then that you are working your way to becoming a better DJ as you gain more and more talent and gain more and more knowledge and practice as you do that, you know? Um, One thing I was going to say that I like about both of y'all's story is... Y'all both started local first before you got booked at events, which I think should happen more nowadays. I don't think that people that are at the very beginning of their DJ career, and obviously for some people that can be subjective, which I have a whole nother conversation about that. I think that you should start in your local scene simply because not only it's not it's not even just about like gaining getting your stripes, you know? It's about gaining knowledge and wisdom that you can only gain based off of the experience of DJing at an event. And no, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be like, well, you're not good enough to DJ, so you don't need to DJ in front of anybody. No, because then you're not going to get any better. So DJ in a local scene, DJ in socials. If you have friends that have like house parties where people come and dance, DJ those and take them serious. You know, so I I think that that like local scene first step is so important 
And I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't like that because it's less glamorous, Mm -hmm. but I think it's way more beneficial if you're really trying to become good. And if you're really trying to create an amazing experience, whenever you do start to DJ at bigger festivals, because I mean, that first one, honestly, for a while, you're going to be nervous at the be- whenever you step up to DJ. For a while. It's going to be a while before it becomes just like, oh, what up? Oh, I'm in the middle. Like, like, so it's funny. I say this, but it's funny sometimes whenever I post where people are like, don't talk to me in the middle of a transition. And I'm like, over time, you get out of that. You know what I'm saying? At least I did personally. Like, you you, you have so much experience and, and I guess, like, wisdom whenever it comes to what you're doing that you either already have stuff prepped or you already have stuff ready or you can kind of maneuver around it or whatnot to where it doesn't stress you out as much. But that's stuff that happens over time. It just is not normal for a person to start DJing and then six or seven months, eight months, even even a year later, they're just like at the top of their game, you know? Um, yeah, side note. Just, I want to add in a side note because you said something important. Stop trying to talk to these DJs when they're spinning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Like, I am not an official DJ. Somebody tried to teach me one time, you know, the whole drag to the circle and transition in and out. That was the most stressful 10 minutes of my life. And I was just transitioning back and forth between like, like the same songs. And I have never been more stressed out in my life. Stop talking to these people while they're working. They are busy. That would be like somebody coming up to you and interrupting a class to ask a question. You know, let them work. That's a good point. Also, I want to piggyback off what Archie said. DJing locally is so important because when you first start, that is when you're going to make the majority of your mistakes. And you want to make them in front of a crowd that is friendly and forgiving towards you, you know, instead of making it in front of 200, 300 people who don't even know you because that will kill your quote unquote day career before it even gets started for real, you know? So don't be too anxious to play at a large event in front of a lot of people. Because let me tell you, when I first started, you know, you load to the wrong deck, you press the wrong button, like the music will just stop two, three times. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, DJing locally for a couple years is where it's at. No, I agree. Man, I agree agree. with that so much. I remember one time, like, like, so maybe six years ago, but once again, you get, you gain comfortability. But I remember one time I'm vibing or whatever. I might like, you know, you work certain events where organizers like, you want something to drink? And you're like, sure, I'll take something. They're like, just give me one. All I want is one shot. Okay, cool. And then you're boom. And then they come, hey, you want something else? No, I'm good. No, I'm gonna get you something else. And then they just keep on getting. So, you know, you, I'm feeling kind of good or whatever. Yeah. And I'm DJing, DJing. I have a track loaded up over here. It's it's spinning. And then you go to click the track and you put it on the wrong track, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I did that. This is like five years ago. And maybe 15 years ago in that situation before gaining comfortability and really knowing my equipment, like my 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 equipment, like I know them. They're my girls. Like, you know what I'm saying? We have a relationship. So like <laughs> I'm comfortable with them and they're comfortable with me. Before that, it was like I would have stressed out. But in that moment, it was like I dropped it completely silent. Boom. 
No music. Everything cut off. Everybody looked at me. I was just like, oh, whatever's playing on this side is about to go. Scratchy, 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 go. And then all of a sudden the crowd's like, yeah. I'm like, I totally did not mean to do none of that, but it just rocked it. So let's go. But like that's that is literally experience that you gain as you DJ more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and so, but I, I I concur. Like when you mess up, you learn. I I, I, I it's dope because like you can learn how to how to screw up gracefully, you know, and then because it's going to happen, it's li- oh, it's going to happen forever, you know. Yeah. But you learn how to adapt. So yeah, I loaded the wrong deck the first time I I played Afro Summer because oh. someone was talking to me during the transition. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> Stop talking to these DJs. They working. I was like, oh well, fuck it. Like, <laughs> it happened. <laughs> It happens. <laughs> also add on to the play. Yeah, like my biggest period, like my biggest periods of growth or times of growth were always after playing home, like locally. Like it wasn't at the festival where like I like of course be playing around bigger crowds, you're gonna gain some skills, but like it's locally where you could take the biggest risk where you could it's biggest risk but this lowest is stakes. So true. This is like, so could, true. Like you could do some like things there will be things I I would do locally that I would probably be too afraid to try at at a festival. But like once you do it several times locally, you start to feel more comfortable. Then you can mm-hmm. try it at a, at a big festival weekend, etc. So I'm saying like for those who are starting out who want to learn, definitely and cherish and enjoy playing locally because that is where you will find your big. That is the best form of practice and the best form of development, in my opinion. I'm so what glad. Taking, Go ahead. What does taking risk look like for a DJ? Depends on DJ. I mean, it can be song selection. It can be how you transition from certain songs. A lot of times, whenever it comes to, in my opinion, whenever it comes specifically within the Brazilian Zouk and the Kizomba scene, a lot of it is even more so in the Brazilian Zouk scene. Kizomba yeah. scene, the risks of songs might be playing i remember it's probably not even a risk it's not even a risk anymore but whenever people started playing a lot more like afro pop like mm-hmm. i could see at a time where that would be a little bit more risky um now it's normal but in brazilian zooks in the brazilian zook scene i feel like because the genre of music is so wide or like we've discussed how people in brazilian zook dance to like all kind of stuff it might be like man i really love this song and you can dance Zook to it, but I don't know how people are going to react. So let me just take a risk and play it, you know? Playing Disney at Interfusion, that was risky, in my opinion. You did that? No, that's that's Vinny. Vinny does that. Oh, man, y'all don't want to <laughs> get into my conversation about why yeah. I think Disney should not be played at these events. I mean, that was risky. Listen, it was risky, but I was just observing. Oh, my God. I wish I a video of of me on the stage. Like, he was just looking around like... <laughs> How are people? Yeah, people. Yeah, uh, no, people are loving it. I'm telling they you, they love it. I know they do. I know they do. But that's what yeah. makes it crazy that you say like that it's risky and zoot because I haven't heard the most wide range of you know R and B to video game music to whale sounds. Like y'all just be playing everything, and the crowd just be like, 
yeah, give me more. So, so you got to correct the y'all. You got to correct the y'all. Y'all is not everybody. <laughs> you are hearing specific people play certain things that they play. Suka Max, I heard that was a Disney set. I'm like, Vinny not here. A whole set? Oh, An entire Disney set? It Why? was either that or a half a set. Either way, it was... A- to me, more than two of them joints is too long for me. I don't mean not that. Not that I'm playing. I, I'm not playing it. I, I disagree gonna... wholeheartedly. Hit me that Moana. Hit me that uh, part of your world. I will be living. This is That'll the thing. Of, this is the thing about different people that have people have different tastes <laughs> and they like different stuff. I just personally, if I'm in a moment and I'm yep. dancing to rock the boat by Aaliyah, or I'm dancing to uh, Differences by Genuine, or I'm dancing to Sade, and I'm just like in this intimate dance with this person, and all of a sudden I hear, can you feel the love tonight? I am completely (laughs) taken out of the moment, and I'm like, you expect me to get jiggy with the freaking Lion King theme music? Like, first of all, first of all, don't you? And and and, and I love, I love Disney. I just know you're not talking. Just so you know, we just had a Disney trivia night here in Houston. I took second place. <laughs> I know my Disney. I like Disney. That's not. It's not that I dislike it. I just think that it needs to be in the moment. Personally, I just, I just, I'm taken out of the moment. I just no, like I feel like for me, it feels, it brings so much emotion to my heart. Like I have such an emotional attachment to the song <laughs> that experiencing it. I'm not kidding you. Like it just brings so many memories to me that it's like being able to explore it in a new way and a new like fashion with somebody else that's feeling well, it it's such a Yaku, cool experience go ahead watch the movies again like there's no need for and us to i play. do i'm not gonna pretend like there's not gonna be a gang of people that are gonna be listening to this podcast they're gonna be like that's right Jesse. that's right you tell them like, <laughs> yeah no nah, oh, nah. saying that when this Team comes out, people be... all day Bruh. Yeah, this could probably do numbers on on the podcast game but oh my gosh <laughs> that, that <laughs> take a poll uh, Listeners, are you pro Disney or anti Disney? And what is your gender, male or female? Because I have a strong feeling more women are going to be pro Disney than men are going to be pro Disney. Also, non binary and so on as well, too. Yes. Also, if you're listening and you're a Disney DJ, if you could throw some Hercules up in there, nah, 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 nah. Yes, stop. 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 Put this out. Put this out. Yeah, we look are me in the face and out. tell me. Look I'm me in the face and tell me that hurts you. <laughs> I look at you. If I was, I would be there and tell you no. Uh, I'm requesting. I could don't talk about Bruno. No, no. The yeah. only song on the Encanto soundtrack that's dope for Zooking would be the freaking rock song where she's catching all. Uh, the, she's carrying all the weight. I forgot her name. Yeah, uh, Luisa or whatever. Yeah, whatever I forgot. Uh, uh, I forgot how the song go, but the the stronger one. Yeah, y'all wrong. Y'all wrong because I just know. I just know that Hercules Choir. Who put the gladiator? Yeah, we seriously doing this right now. No, we're not. We're stopping this right now. Okay. We are stopping this right now and not feeding into this horribleness. No, that's crazy. That's crazy. So as far as like the DJs go, I got to get my brain back focused, bro. This is bad. I wish Um, I could see Archie's face. He's stressed about this Disney. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he's smiling a little bit too, which is he's conflicted. I like Disney, bro. Like, I like it. Aristocats, Peter Pan, like Alice in Wonderland. Those are like my three most watched Disney movies whenever I was like growing up. Like I watched those like crazy, you know? So I like Disney. I like it, you know, but I just think that everything needs to go where it needs to go. I mean, okay, I'm not going to make that comparison because that'd be bad. But yeah, I just think everything needs to go where it needs to go personally. But as far as DJing, so the process, like we kind of talked about that, like the process of what DJs, like we we believe DJs should do in order to like continue to grow and stepping into like DJing locally before they DJ into major events. Because me personally, like piggybacking on what Ifosa said, I'm so glad that I started DJing in house parties first because of the ability to be able to screw up. Like Amber had a super dope intro because you literally had a crew of people that pitched together and bought a controller for you. You can't lose whenever you got a crowd like that, you know, yeah, and that, that, you, that you can play for them and you could be like, like literally like boo-boo on top. Like you could be dumpster juice and, and, they, and they will be like rocking with you, you know, and that's have, enough playing at a festival. People spend thousands of dollars to go at a festival. Uh, so even if you boo boo, they're gonna dance regardless. So you are game. not going to be a true representation of your, your skill and your ability to, you know, that's true. Get the crowd moving. Like locally, if they, they don't like know. more than likely they're gonna sit down. Yeah. Yep. You know? And if if like three couples sit down, the floor might look a little empty. So you know you gotta do something different. <laughs> It's sad because, like, I tell people that all the time, and, and I grew up DJing before I knew what, what any of the dance stuff was, where people will tell you straight up and will react to your level. And, and I think that because of what you said when it comes to the dance scene and how people don't understand, listen, if your music is not great, People are not going to leave because they've paid all this money to be here. At some level, I think that that can be a hindrance to the scene because then organizers don't feel like they have to pay, whether it's pay a little bit more money or hire more quality. I don't know why you wouldn't want to hire more quality, but maybe it's because of the money thing. So they feel like they can just bring anybody because people are going to dance regardless. And I think that that affects the level of the scene because i'm a firm believer that at the end of the day music is going to carry any scene like yeah you want people to be solid in 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 their dance level you want people to be uh really good dancers and personally i feel like especially since this is brazilian zook podcast in brazilian zook i don't think we lack in amazing teachers like i don't think that we lack in teachers that are very good very educated doing a really good job of imparting very good knowledge inside of dancers i think that that's solid so that means that it's the music like the music not only is going to be what's a huge part of the events being successful but it's the biggest part like there's literally i, I would be interested and this would be super dope to talk about whenever we do talk about events with like the people that we're going to have on the podcast i would be so interested in knowing what the ratio is of full passes versus party passes whenever it comes to events on average because yeah. in my head i feel like more party passes are sold than full passes i think they would be sold if they were allowed to but like usually party passes what come out 
maybe the last week or so, depending. Like, it's really, it's much later in the sales. Maybe there's a tier three of full passes, or you maybe it's the final law of full passes. Then they start to release the party passes. At least that's what I've, I've seen. I could be wrong on that, but mm -hmm. if there were, if you were to start it from jump, full passes and party passes, I would think also cost-wise and everything, party passes would be sold more. I mean, well, even if you look at the nights, though, as well, like, if the amount of people that were at the party were actually going to all the classes, they would not be able to hold all the people. Yeah. Exactly. You so, know? Yeah, people buy full passes, but then they just end up just going to the party. Yeah, yeah. and so mm -hmm. it's, like, events, the, the majority of the people are coming there for the party and for the music and to dance at night. You know, no, I've 100% passed up on um, as an attendee, not as a hired person, but as an attendee, I've passed up on going to a lot of festivals because I look at the DJ lineup and I'm like, nah, that ain't it. Like, I'm not going to pay all that money just to hear, you know, these people that are going to play subpar music that maybe I'll get like one or two good dances to. Like, it's just not like it's such an important part of the organ, the, the whole festival experience. 100%. Not everyone goes to class. But unless you fall asleep, damn near most people, if not everyone, is going to the party at one point in the night. Right. So, I mean, and it's getting better, but I remember whenever it was not even where it's at now, it, as far as quality. quality, when it comes to the focus being way more on teachers than on the music. I remember whenever it was really like that. And in my head, not even as a DJ, but it just as an attendee, I would be like, if your event let's just do math right quick and say your classes start at 10 and they end at four with no breaks and that's six hours is that is it right to say that there's six hours of classes a day at a festival more six four six, six maybe yeah. okay so Depending let's just let's just say six just for the sake of it mm -hmm. and then you got six 12 18 over the weekend 18 mm. hours of classes. Parties start at 10 and they go until, let's just say five. Just yeah. because I don't want to say six because it's yeah. kind of late. Five, seven, 14, 21. That's just estimating 21 hours of dancing and music versus 18 hours of instruction. But more priority was would be placed on on the instruction you know i don't it, it, it always threw me for a loop at the beginning you know yeah i think there was a different time right like uh when we first started and i remember you having these conversations like five six years ago archie and you were saying that but at the time at least in the kids world we were still building the scene and we were still working really hard to get people to a level where there was a big enough crowd to support some of the things we were doing like this is back when we only had like for major festivals um, across the U.S. that everyone was going to. And so teaching was really important, but now we've got a scene that is like a national and we have events every single weekend and it is a little bit more widespread. And so now that you've got these big, first of all, you have all these options and you have people that are looking for an experience and a way to express themselves at these night parties. And yeah, DJing is a huge part of that being able to read the crowd, being able to set the scene because people are, people associate the instructor instructors with what they put out. But I feel like what people associate the festival with is they're dancing at night. Like your yeah. DJs and end up being a really big part of what, what people feel after they leave your festival. And so if they feel like they've been sitting out for half of the night because the 
the music wasn't good or the vibe wasn't hidden, it's because you weren't hiring the right DJs to be mm. able to carry the crowd. Like it's such an important part of the success of your festival, for sure. So I, I think that it's better than it was then, for sure. I think it is. I don't know. I think now that there's there, there's more people that are trying to DJ now than there were then, which I don't think is a bad thing per se. Me and Amber were having this conversation. <laughs> and <laughs> we don't think it's bad like that more people want to be DJs. We just think that it's important to approach it and go about it in a way that's going to make you gain more knowledge and get more quality and then create more quality for other people. Because before I get into this next point that I was going to ask y'all, Mm. Going back to what Amber said a second ago, and I feel like I am talking so much on this episode. I feel like I'm no, talking. You're doing, hey, hey, you're doing you're great, sweetie. Okay, you're fine. Don't even worry about it. We'll, we'll chime in where we need to chime in. We all got roles, different roles. Uh, um, I feel like you've been carrying this passion in your heart for six years. <laughs> yeah. and now this is your chance to say it all, Archie. We're just here to support you. <laughs> yeah, we got you. This, this is your platform. Going back to what Amber said, whenever she was like, people are paying $1,000. Bro, people are paying thousands of dollars to go to these events, dog. Mm -hmm. Between hotel, flights, passes, food. Mm -hmm. And you should feel some type of way if you aren't uh, providing a solid, uh, a solid, really good quality thing for them to be able to listen to and to dance to. Like, you should feel some type of way if you don't have that, you know? But I, I mean, I guess I asked this question. I was going to ask it at the end, but it kind of chimes mm. in perfectly with right now. But who do you feel like when it comes to that is more responsible for the state of the music scene in Brazilian music specifically? Would it fall more on the DJs or would it fall more on the organizers that are hiring the DJs? Um, I think it falls on the organizers as the organizer you have to set standards for your event the just don't hire boo boo you know what i'm saying that's it and so then trash. DJs, right <laughs> djs <laughs> either be like oh why am i not getting hired i must be boo boo and they would work harder to improve themselves so you know people you would just have to hire you know this, this specific dj because they're just so good so yeah i, th I think it falls on the organizers you know They'd be accepting free labor, which I know events are expensive, mm. but don't put boo-boo free labor on the flyer. Like if people, I understand people, they need practice. Put them in the beginning. Don't put them on the flyer. Don't, you know, pay them. They have to, you know, pay for themselves if <laughs> if they're free like i don't know and if they're boo-boo and free no that's real you got to earn your stripes like the same thing as teaching right like you have mm -hmm. to you can't walk on the scene and expect to be treated the same as somebody that's been working for seven years like a lot of us that were teachers the first few months we worked we worked for free just to gain to the experience just to get that feeling of knowing what it feels like to work in a crowd that is that big like you have to humble yourself and realize that when you are stepping into a new arena you gotta work to get to the top yep when i was doing my event the eric he let me dj his event yeah i did it for free i drove down there and i worked for free i bought my own hotel like everything was for free even like the few brazilian zoop gigs that i've done i did them for free like i went to um solace you know i drove there i played for free so because i'm i'm 
even though I'm 10 years in Kendoma, I'm still a beginner Brazilian Zoo DJ, you know. I did it for more experience, just to get better. So yeah, everyone has to start from somewhere for free. <laughs> but not at large events, because again, the thing I did at Solace is a small local event, and it's not like, you know, a festival. If people, if 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 people, in my opinion, when it comes to that, because that was another thing I wanted to talk about is should DJ work, DJs work for free? Um, in my opinion, if you are, if a, per, if a single person is paying you over an X amount of money to come to an event that you are doing, then that means, in my opinion, you are responsible for paying a DJ rightfully based off of the amount of money that this person is paying to come here. I'm not saying that those things correlate with one another. I'm not saying if a person pays $1,000, they need 20% of that. That's not what I'm saying. But mm. if a person is paying $1,000, then they deserve quality. You know what I'm saying? And mm. the, re the, the the where the money of the DJ comes in is, we all know this, with everything. If you want quality, you got to pay for quality. You know, you're not going to go to a tattoo artist that's trash and expect something amazing whenever he's charging you nothing. He's like, yeah, I tattoo you up for free, bro. I got you. Don't worry about it. It's like, uh, I'm not going to that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know you got to pay for quality. So that's my thoughts on that. Mm. I say organizers. I feel, like it's, I feel like it's a bit more complicated than just... <laughs> Just leaving it to organizers, but I feel like it's kind of a it's kind of a loop of sorts. Like organizers are responsible for who like for the talent acquisition or talent hiring of whatever. So if they hire DJs that are poop, then that's what people will receive. But then also you have the DJs themselves. If you're poop and not really working on your thing, or if you're if you're poop at the moment and then. It, like you're not learning from anybody, then that is a problem in itself. But then also you have the dancers. And I'm not. I'm never really gonna blame it on the dancers because like if you pay some, if you pay money, you gonna really dance. But like unless your ears is rough, bro. My ears. You you so you rough, you gonna dance? I mean, so shit, shit. Bro, you mean so dance. hard sometimes, bro. But like you, if you, you paid got... a thousand, if you paid a thousand plus, you gonna dance. But then that, bro, it's crazy because we be going to these events. Sometimes I remember you go to an event. Whenever mm -hmm. I worked for an event, uh, event every weekend for the whole month, and I would look at my third mm -hmm. event in a different city and see the same people. And I'm like, bro, y'all is like, y'all got money like that. I'm paid to be here. Everything yeah. covered. Y'all done dropped $3,000 in the first three weeks of this month, and y'all at every event that I'm at, bro. And, and they still going to pay. <laughs> but the thing is, like, just having people... Because people have to dance because they pay so much money, it gives false perception that hey, I'm really doing something yes, when right. that may not be the case. But then also, uh, to me, I think it's kind of all of it. But it again, to me, it does boil down to one: people, organizers, hiring people who are not who are either not good or not developing, and then the DJs themselves not being good or not developing. So it's both. I think it's both. But I like it will be on the organ if you if we create a system where hey if you're not good and but then again like some some people get hired because of well I mean they know someone and yeah. like mm. that they get they know someone or they are someone and like you know that put that 
makes it tough. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, like as like I'm one of those who are who have I guess as you say influence whatever. Like I am someone who was popular before I started DJing, so it's a risk to hire some someone like myself. And, and I will say my first event, I wasn't like particularly, you know, the best of DJs in the world, but like hey. I, I do understand that there is a risk that sometimes kind of just necessary to you gotta hire some people, but you gotta hire some new people. But like, hey, I'm I'm I am for you. Get you have to prove yourself consistently and let that let that show. But hey, some people get hired because of who they are in the scene, and they don't have they don't necessarily follow up with the skills, or they're not learning enough to demonstrate their why they get hired or their allowance to be hired if that makes sense yeah i i you push this a lot and i do think that it's important for sure but i think that or i guess i'll say i wonder how many organizers actually listen to sets of djs that they hire before they hire them (sighs) You know so what I'm saying? I will answer that because I have an answer for that. And that goes with my answer to the original question. So I have a couple of friends that are organizers of festivals and I have gone to festivals with them. You know, we've been hired or whatever, and they have left their hotel room at the beginning of the night just to go mm-hmm. sit in the room and listen to people's sets, not just for how they're playing, but to see how people are reacting to the music that's being played. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I think it 100% comes down to the organizer of hiring. You have to do your due diligence. So you have to either put the work in to make sure that you are, if you're at a festival, go listen to the DJs and see how they're playing and seeing how the crowd's reacting. If you personally cannot go there, then go to somebody that's trusted in the scene. You know, like go ask a DJ like, hey, have you heard this person play? Like, what do you think? What's your opinion on how they work? You know what I mean? Like just going off of the per- the word of the person that's begging to be hired, I think is not, is not the way to go. Or like, oh, I know this person, so I'm going to throw them on the lineup in a prime time spot. In a perfect world, everyone would be in this business for the right reasons, right? Because they mm-hmm. want to contribute to the community and make the festival a good experience. But I think we all know having worked behind the scenes, that's not the case. There are people that want to be hired at events for the sake of maybe ego or for the sake of being seen or for the sake of growing their own personal selves as opposed to contributing to the community. So it's up to you to kind of suss out what what kind of work they've done to back up that energy. Like if you want to be revered, you want to be respected, then you need to put the time in, you need to put the work in, you need to put the energy in, you need to be training, you need to be taking private lessons. Like I've watched so many people take private lessons from Amber looking to get their DJ skills up, like put the work in. If you can't, you can't always just rely on the person asking to work because yeah, I'll just leave it at that. You can't just rely on the person asking you to work. If you're going to offer me like $300 plus a plane ticket, plus a hotel room to be at your festival. And all I got to do is like throw my little Spotify playlist on then heck yeah, I'm going to tell you I'm a DJ. You know what I mean? Like the world is just not that honest. Sure. To follow up on Jesse's point, if as an organizer, you, you know, because they have so many different responsibilities and so many other things they have to attend to, if you cannot have the time to listen to another DJ, um, to all the DJs you're looking into or all the DJs that ask you, because, you know, there's a billion one DJs that are asking for spots, you could, hi- you could hire a head DJ 
to look to review the sets. And this is why I of all the festivals that I've been to, the one that I thought was or like slotted the best was um Connect Out, the one in Atlanta, because um Joseph, who was um he didn't have the name of head DJ, but he was the head DJ. Mm-hmm. He he reviewed and listened to every DJ slot, everyone that that wanted to DJ, that got hired, and that was added last minute. And like me and Aaron were also added last minute, but like he reviewed everyone's everyone that was already hired and that were added on and slotted them where they needed to be. And I could not pick up, I could not think of a better schedule on how, like based on the way he, or like he was phenomenal. So that's the thing um, organizers can do. If you cannot do that, have a head DJ that will listen to every DJ and slot them in the slot that they need to be in. Cause that is sometimes another, that's another issue. DJs being put in slots that's not where their their best strength um best slated to be at delegating that is dope too because you i mean and it's no no qualms against the person but you might not even know music like that that, that's that's very true you know so having somebody that you can have in that position is is important 100 like you it's important to recognize where your strengths are right like i I'm so like I have so much respect for organizers because y'all do a lot to make events happen. Y'all put in hella work to make so many things happen. And so it's okay to admit that music is not in your ministry. Like if you know that this is not your strength, then leaning on somebody else and saying, you know what, I'm going to hire you as the head DJ and making sure that you like because you know what's going on. I'm going to delegate this work to you like the best way to make this happen, please. No, that's. I, I think that that's just a huge way to be a more successful in your event. That's a super dope leadership quality of being able to delegate and lead another person. Like in my opinion, if you're running a large event, like a big scale event, we're talking three nights and like five to 700 people at your event, you should have different leaders that are over other areas of your event. You should have somebody who's over the music. You know, you should have personally, I think that it'd be smart to have a person who's over the teaching part of the festival and all the stuff that comes Mm. with that. Having somebody who's maybe overseeing the artists. So like, you know, like, yo, with the artists, we need this and this and they are 100 percent in control of that. They are 100 percent over that with with your guidance. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's. That's all super, super true and very, very important, man. If I I'm a could. shout out, uh, Shika. One Kids does that incredibly well. Yeah. Interfusion does that incredibly well. Like, there's so much vetting that happens at both of those festivals. Um, because I was lucky enough to see behind the scenes for both of those festivals, and both of those festivals are some of the biggest in their genres. One Kids is one of the biggest festivals in the urban kids world. Interfusion. I mean, it's crazy. Like, it's a huge festival, but they put the work in to make that experience incredible for everybody. If I could say one thing, um, it's, it's a side note, but since people are listening, I would very much appreciate if we also hired a sound person. Like, I, I know we have DJs that are that are no sound, but, like, it's good to have a sound engineer just because sometimes it's just, like, it reduces the less... I, I think it's good to allow people to play the roles that they need to, as in like let the talents be certain talents in that area and not have 
additional work because that would also allow a DJ to be better at DJing rather than having to do this and that all the time. Like the, you know, the, your DJs don't need to be Q Q charge my lap, Q charge my phone, Q tell me where the bathroom is. Can you can you can you control the lights while you're doing the transition? I'm like yo, just having another sound, having a sound person, or just having people to do tasks that they don't need to go up and ask the DJs to do this and that would make life easier. Bro, Amber, remember whenever we was at that event in New Orleans and the person kept on messing with the light? <laughs> what? What random attendee lady kept on messing with the light? Like random attendee lady. <laughs> she, she she came she came in the Kazama room, turned on the light, and all the way up. To talk to her, and she was. She said she couldn't see. Yeah, like, she was girl? like, "It's too dark in here," and I'm like, "Who are you?" <laughs> like, first of all, yeah. like who? That's like wild. who are you? She was like, it's just dark. I can't see. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, we're going to keep the lights back to where they were. And so she actually went and tried to, I think she went and got somebody. She got security. She was being a Karen. This was a straight up Karen moment. She yeah. went to go to security and to tell them that we need to turn up the lights. And security did turn up the lights. And they said it was a fire hazard or safety hazard or something. At that point, I just left the room. I don't know what happened, when, but when I, I came back down so i know i turned them i turned them back down i was like no (laughs) no like we're keeping the lights where they are and we're not about to allow this one person's personal thoughts to be able to just switch up everything (laughs) in the whole bro no no archie said if we die we die bro like who do you who do you think you are this is so crazy but i was like i just need to leave this room before i get something crazy yeah it was crazy bro I guess the other question I asked, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, was should DJs work for free? And if so, how do y'all think that that should play out? I'm going to say this. Uh, and this is, I think this is, like, I got this from like Snoop, kind of. I know the price is not the same for everyone. So, like, you know, the price for, I guess, someone you've, a, a friend, an OG to you, is not going to be the same price as, you know, someone who's, you're not really you're not really close to as also compared to someone who's like event is super successful. So I, I know the price will vary depending on the relationship and also the business needs of the event or whatever the business is able to. So all in all, I do not think DJ should work for free, but I also understand if there are circumstances in which they do, whether that is a, that, but that has to be a choice, not a circumstance necessarily. Or like, hey, like, because you're still providing a service, whether it's good or bad, it's still a service. If, ideally, not ideally. I mean, it should be good. If you're if you're being paid to do something, it should be good. Now, do people have the off days? Of course, but still, it should be good. So I just doing something, I think, requires you to be paid for something. And that price could be negotiated or whatever. But if you choose to do it for free, I understand. Like me, myself, I have done certain sets for free or I've played for free because one, I need, I wanted either the experience or that was just to like, hey, maybe get my name around in certain areas or maybe it was as a gift to certain to certain communities. Hey, this is a very, this is a new scene starting out and they want to set. And I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, why not? Plus for me, like it helps me out because I get to play more, 
especially with commission sets, I get to focus on like new songs that I haven't used or work on different things. So like I'm still I still get benefit from it, but like that's a personal choice, not a like hey, you have to do it for free. As long as you're choosing to and you you're okay with it, then fine. But like I think you should still be paid for something. Well, I'm gonna say this. If you are a DJ and you ask them to play at their event, more than likely you are not gonna get paid. That's so <laughs> I think you need to blow your roll and ask them, I mean, let them approach you. Now, if you're a beginner and they approach you, at the minimum, I feel like you should not have money coming out of your pocket to go to the event. Like if they approach you, you know, they should, at the minimum, they, they should pay for your hotel, your food, you know, your flight. Like you should not have to come out of money, out of pocket for anything. Yeah, because that can still be a lot of money like especially if it's like international you know that's like $500 flight by itself mm -hmm. so that's my opinion if you don't want to play for free then just stop asking stop begging to get on people's lineup yeah, you gotta let the work you gotta let your work and your friends shine through you you could have your friends pressure people into getting you spots as in because you're doing a great job that part that's you're doing a great job. Don't 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 forget the 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 other part. Not just the friends have pressure on people, but like you gotta do a great job, and then let your friends and other people say, "Yo, hire this person, hire them." Supply and demand is a real thing. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a real thing. Whenever. So, sir, your whole pay, like dead ass. You need to like charge people to like <laughs> promo them. If, yeah, oh. listen. Mm. I got a booking after Ifosa <laughs> said what he said about me on his page. I someone contacted me. Really? So Ifosa, you need to um you need to start charging folks for something. I'm, I'm not even gonna lie, I've thought about it, but like again, <laughs> like for me to promote anybody, and I'll be honest, I, I I only will promote you if I think you're good. I, I may promote a lot of people, but again, for me to go and say, I, I've had an awesome private with Amber or an awesome private with Archie or like, oh, I love this person's set. It's only because I felt like it was good. I'm not going to be out here saying, hey, this person's good and they're terrible. Have you ever had anybody approach you to post about them? Ooh. Oh, yeah, of course. So that... That is, I was, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I'm surprised that you said yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no shit. I, I, don't, I don't care. Like, people have asked me, yo, how come you haven't posted me or whatever? I'm like, I'm like, yo. Wow. So that is whenever that principle that Amber just said, if you asking people to book you, then you're probably not gonna get paid. But if they ask you, then you're gonna get paid. <laughs> If somebody's asking you to post them, that is literally, especially because what she was saying is true. Like you've built up a, and I mean, you can say what you want to say. We're not telling you become a little business on Facebook, but if if you built you've built up a a platform on uh, on your social media accounts, and you have a group of people that literally hear what you say and they're like man if a fosa says it then it's what it is so if people are reaching out to you and it sounds like multiple people are reaching out to you and they're like hey man can you can you can you drop a little plug for me on the thing bro yeah i can here's my venmo you know what i'm saying hey, yo, I, 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 man yo, the more and more i think about it like 
uh, one of these days I'm gonna do it because like that's literally what like new that's literally what like yeah. newspaper online articles like all that stuff like promotion like billboards all that like marketing that's literally marketing. Yeah, no, for a fact, and I would be very much justified if I want to. I could easily stop DJing and have that supplement, whatever. That would make more than DJing. <laughs> if, that was, if it was for about the money. If it was about the money. But, like, the thing is, like, I, I just want to support people who are good and doing the right thing. Yeah. But, but I mean... You know, the way my bills is coming up, yo, one of these days, <laughs> one of these days is going to turn into a subscription. Like, yo, I'm going to need something from y'all. That's funny. Well, yeah, no, it does happen where people do ask me, hey, can you, can you share this or can you say something about it? And most of the time, usually, if you have to ask me, it's a no. Yeah. Because usually I will only share whoever. But hey, feel free to keep asking. It's not it's not a problem. You can try. Hey, you, you might as well shoot your shot. It's not a problem. Like, That's funny. Yeah, bro. That's crazy. As far as the oh Jesse, would you want to talk about the free thing? Heck yeah. Okay. okay. Do you think so? I will say that when you are hiring somebody, I'm gonna only speak to maybe more established DJs because the road to developing as a DJ and growing, we already discussed. You got to sometimes take your licks, do something at a little bit of a discounted rate, but I'm going to talk for about DJs that have put the work in, they're established, they're good. When you're paying for services, you're not just paying for the services they're providing immediately at the event. You're paying for an amount of work that DJs put in before the festival. DJs put in stupid amounts of work to develop their music catalogs, to set their cues, to do their training, to do their private lessons, to, to getting their equipment, which is not cheap. DJ equipment is stupidly expensive. Mm. So this is, in my opinion, all of the stuff on top of what they're providing at the festival, you know, setting the vibes, playing the, you know, whatever else. Like that's a lot of work. So if you are approaching if you as an organizer are approaching a DJ because you recognize that they have the skills and they've put in the work to making, you know, being able to make a presence, put together an amazing set, then you should absolutely recognize them by paying them adequately. Like, it's crazy to me that people would have the gall to ask people to DJ for free. These people are artists. Like, this is an art. I know we mm -hmm. separate when we talk about artists and, you know, teachers and DJs, like dancers and DJs, we kind of separate them as artists and DJs, but this is an art. Like this is a really skilled art that is not something that everybody is capable of doing. So mm -hmm. I feel like it's an absolute slap in the face and so disrespectful as an organizer to look these people in the face and say, you need to work for free. They absolutely need to be respected on the exact same level as, um, as teachers are just because they don't have like flashy demos that they can put out. Like they get shared hundreds of times. Like people will, you know, when they talk about their favorite sets, they say, I loved, you know, Amber set at one kiss. Mm -hmm. I loved Ifosa set at interfusion. I loved Archie set at love and dance. Like that's free promo for you. You need to recognize that the DJs, really do they carry so much of what makes your festival a success so yeah i'm 100 for you need to pay your djs and you need to pay them respectfully yep. period put us on the flyer 
plus on the fly. I'm tired of not seeing our faces on the fly. Period. <laughs> as big as the as big as the teachers. Like, let's yeah. stop downplaying yeah. how much work DJs do. And I don't know. I just I just remember those 10 minutes of dragging that song to the circle. It was so freaking stressful. I don't understand how you guys do this for hours <laughs> at a time. It gets no. fun. Does it? It, fun. it does. I don't know. It, it gets fun. Like setting up it's... that vibe, seeing people enjoy themselves and also then trolling people and trying to like, you know, because you got you got you it's like sometimes you you just you out here DJing, you just you're like and y'all y'all enjoying this a little too much. Let me go ahead and take this away from you. That's that little that's a little <sighs> but but also when you take it away, you also give something back to them. Like, you know, that's that ah uh, uh, I made you let mm, me I did that no, too. Let me let me clarify the sigh because Amber is the mother queen of yeah. trolling people. Yeah. Troll <laughs> McGee up there, up there with her. If you've never experienced Amber's baby making set, Jesus Christ. Because Amber will put on these sultry, like delicious songs that be having you grabbing people's necks and just like sinking into the this little velvety place in your heart, right? Yeah, I mean, and you, yeah, I mean, you see that's what I mean, man. Amber <laughs> be having people out here making babies, and she put her hands on her hips, like, "Look at you heathens out here!" Like she put here. So you telling me that in the middle of a set like that, you want to hear? Disney. I can show you the world bright and shivering <laughs> and splendid. That's what you want. That's what you want to hear. No, exactly. Exactly. Tell me that if that was a drop, you wouldn't be like, huh? Exactly. She done went off the screen because she know I'm right. Listen, I accidentally kicked off a plant thinking uh, thinking of Amber's baby making set. No, I'm, I'm just saying... I do recognize when I'm being trolled. I recognize it immediately. I've Amber somehow got a picture of me during one of her baby making sets and got posted <laughs> online. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. Yeah, I'm gonna need to see this picture somewhere. Yeah, find it. No, thank you. I can't remember the picture. I do remember the picture. I think your best your best it. your best your best baby making set was probably in my opinion, was at one kids. Before the pandemic. Mm. Oh, that was a... You know why? You know why? And I'm not going to say why, but why I remember it, because that was whenever Chick's Tape, the new Chick's Tape came out. Ooh. Remember? Yes. You're shaking your head. Yes. You remember. That was whenever the new new Tory Lanez Chick's Tape came out. I remember that. That's a good... Damn. You you pulled from there? Oh, wow. Okay. So let me tell y'all the history of the baby making set. Hey, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening to the Brazilian Zoo No Cap Podcast. From your host, Archie, Jamie L, Ifosa, Amber, and Jesse, muito obrigado. And until next time, stay up. It's Archie, welcome to the spot where the beast eat. Jump stupid in your left eye, gonna need some beef meat. I step on this mic swinging, so you better duck, I better move back. A words are smooth crack with haymakers upside your use cap. I'm sub-zero with this microphone, so unless you want frostbite, you better leave this mic alone. That's how I'm feeling, I'm just saying. Nimsy synth the beat, I grab that sorry sucker, that's where I went super saying.